He tells stories so grand of this vast, timeless land, and they call it Sunday with Macca. Oh, g'day, Macca. It's Shield Road. Sure, he called you when I was about 7,000 k's away on the way to Shanghai back in November. I remember, Stuart, you were doing freight and you were taking, don't tell me, oysters, not oysters, salmon or something. Up salmon to... and asparagus. Asparagus, that's right. And I thought, what a good meal. What's happening, Stu? Out at Sydney Airport, I was meant to be taking passengers across to Auckland today, but uh, they've changed the flight number and uh, we're just going across empty and uh, bring people back. How do you feel being up the front there, being the driver? Are you always conscious of, you know, catching something, you know? For the international cruise, then, we're classified as 1A, which means we're all vaccinated by now. The vaccine I had was the Pfizer vaccine. I had no side effects, but I've also got friends that had the AstraZeneca and they had a good run with it too. Yeah, look, it's running its banner in the works. I've, I heard uh, Stu call up uh, earlier and I've heard Timmy call you a couple of times. In the United States at the moment, we have colleagues over there that we uh, speak with. They're back to full work again, you know. I, I don't know what the answer to it is. I think we've probably just got to get used to living with this with this thing. There doesn't seem to be any end of it. And uh, look, we're still out there flying, doing what we can. We, internationally, we're still taking freight up to Bangkok, Hong Kong and Tokyo. There's still a bit of work uh, going on there internationally. Some of our guys don't have a job at all, which is even worse. But, uh, you know, it probably does have an effect on them uh, as far as mental health goes. Stuart, good luck, mate. Yeah, all right. I'll wave cheers as I go past. <laughs> no donuts. <laughs> I'll throw a dunny roll out. Apparently they're in demand. I've seen punch-ups at supermarkets. <laughs> good on you, Stuart. Good on you. Thanks, Dean, and uh, thanks for taking the call. That Australians all know, if you're rich or you ain't got a cracker, they tell stories so grand of this vast, timeless land, and they call it Sunday with Macca. They all call it Sunday with Macca. Yeah, they all call it Sunday with Macca. Get on with it, Macca. I will. Good morning. Welcome to the program, wherever you are. Lovely to have your company in this winter's day. A lot of rain around for some people. Uh, flooding rains in some places. Western New South Wales, southern uh, coast of WA. And other places, of course, in North Queensland, and seasonal wet up there. Um, and speaking of the seasons, Rick Kemp has emailed and he says, um, the Ophelia, is it pronounced Ophelian, Ophelian, Ophelian? Which is, um, you know what Ophelian is? No, I don't, but we do now. The point in the orbit of a planet, asteroid or comet, which is the furthest from the sun. Mars is at Aphelion. Aphelion, Aphelion. Anyway, it doesn't matter the pronunciation. You say potato, I say potato. But um, Rick says, takes place at 8.27 Eastern uh, Standard Time on July the 6th. That's Tuesday. This marks the longest distance between the Earth and the Sun in our slightly elliptical annual orbit around the Sun. It also marks some important changes to the daily photo period. That's sunrise to sunset. Firstly, the late sunrise starts its gradual change to an earlier time, around about now, very slightly at first, then accelerating as we move towards spring. Ah, remember spring? Secondly, locally, the sunset starts to occur after 5pm for the first time since just after the middle of May. Whilst the short winter days will still continue, changes are starting to take place on the gradual shift out of winter, though little will be felt for some time. However... The times, they are a-changing, says Rick. <laughs> Thank you, Rick. Uh, Bill and Diana uh, say, Di says, um, Di says, uh, we just heard the song Toughen Up Princess. We both laughed. I'll play it again. 
Later. Love the show. We're on the uh, Air Peninsula, South Australia. This week we passed our 49th wedding anniversary. I say passed as it did and we both forgot it <laughs> until about mid-afternoon and I just said, well, another one bites the dust. We're on the farm where we've been since day one. It's an interesting life and we both still love the yearly routine. You, that's what you get, the yearly routine on the farm, don't you? My husband, Bill, once said that it's time to move on when you don't enjoy what you're doing, which is when he gave up shearing. We are still here because we still get joy from the smell of freshly turned soil, wheat beginning to turn and gets that hay smell. And he says, the smell of diesel when the tractor starts to grunt when it's pushing uphill. The magpies warbling in the morning, migrated here for winter. The list goes on, ending only when we finally close our eyes for the last time, which we hope for both of us, will be many years to come. I must say, though, I cannot agree with you about odd shoes and socks. <laughs> Listen to this. Listen to this, will kill you. That would drive me mad. I'm not a perfectionist by any means, but a few things I just have to do, and that's hanging my husband's undies in their day order. They have Monday to Sunday, all on blue pegs. <laughs> Diane needs counselling, I think, Kel. My clothes have pink pegs. Everything else doesn't matter, but I use five pegs to hang two towels. Always have. I don't know why I do this. Anyway, that's that my little bit of trivia for the day. Love the show. Keep going, Mecca. Die, that's lovely. That's lovely. <laughs> oh, dear. I'm not a perfectionist by any means, she says, but I just have to do things I have to do, and that's hanging my husband's undies in their day order. Well, of, of course, I think everybody does that. I'd love to talk to you this morning, wherever you are. Uh, lots of things, lovely uh, all over news and bits on the Southern Cross. And I, I think I'll play my border song, even though it's not actually all locked down but, and, and borders closed, but they are for some, and it never seems to change, does it? There's always, you know, and as I said, um, Leighton rang earlier this morning and said there was 1,860 cases in Japan yesterday and 700 and. 16 or something just in Tokyo alone anyway so and that's you know I don't think they said they were going to change lockdown in London and I think they've had some more cases and so they're not going to do that now you know they're everybody's boasting about what they do and what they don't do but it's uh it's a curse uh but uh we'll talk to you 1300 700 Mac attracts at gmail.com g'day this is Macca hello good morning this is Good morning, Macca. This is Paul here. G'day, Paul. I'm ringing you from Western Queensland at Blackhall at the moment. Yep, know it well. Yeah, and uh, having a little bit of a holiday for a week in between doing caravan shows. I just finished a big field day at Amarole last weekend, Mm. and I'm slowly making my way to Maryborough and Rocky. I just cannot believe what I am seeing with my own eyes. I've been in this industry, the caravan industry, for 11 years, selling my product. Uh, so many caravans out here, it's unbelievable. <laughs> there's more caravans out here than there's trucks on the road. Yeah, there you go. We, when we were in uh, Blackhall, uh, which, yes. which was a couple of years ago, and we did our program there in the park yes. and near, the, near one of the churches, I think, or in, in the school grounds, but yes. um, on the little flat there, there was a lot of caravans in town, um, and yes. and I'd never, you know, and that was what that's before all this started. So I can only imagine what it's like. Not only in Blackhall, I suppose everywhere. 
Well, I'll just give you an indication. Blackhall's a little town that probably got no more than a population of probably four or 500 people. I could be wrong there. Mm. But the free park area would have 300 caravans in there at the moment. The park oh, caravan park itself would probably have at least 100 here, full. And the showgrounds is the overflow, and they've got caravans up there too. Now, on we got beautiful rain out here on Thursday morning. It came right through, about 40 millimetres, right through Longreach, and made the ground very wet and very slippery. And um, you may know the free camping spot at Longreach along the river there. Mm, yep. A lot of people got locked in. They couldn't get out. There's black soil out here. You can't uh, oh, yeah. You try and get traction in black soil. It just doesn't happen. Mm. Mm, just digs deeper. Yeah. But I mainly just uh, want to say hello and tell you a little bit from the caravan industry point of view. I've yeah. been in it 11 years. Mm. And most of my mates who are making caravans, me, I make a recycled poly mat for the industry. We're all just so busy, and I'll add to that, we're all stressed out. <laughs> we, you know, demand is on us to be up to date with our customers. It's just unbelievable. And, and now I'm hearing the same happening in the building industry with the builders. They can't get steel, can't get timber. But in our industry, it's a beautiful industry to be in. It's leisurely, and um, well, it was was leisurely. You, yeah, go on. <laughs> people you deal with are always very friendly. There's no tension or anything. But this is unprecedented. What's happening at the moment? Um, are many caravans um, made in Australia, uh, Paul? Um, well, I put it to you this way: they're assembled in Australia, mm. right? What's happened, over, it's same with my product, I wanted to make my product in here in Australia. I had two things working against me. One, the price, and number two, the technology. Now, what's, ha what's happening with caravans now is a lot of the components are imported from overseas and they're assembled here in Australia. There are Australian-made caravans, the shells are probably Australian. The chassis are probably Australian. But most of the fittings inside are probably imported. And they have to do that for a cost factor. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, Paul, nice to talk to you. Don't don't get too stressed. Have, have a cup of tea. A cup of tea will fish, fix just about anything, oh, mate. I'm okay. I'm 70, mate. I want to retire this year, but it didn't happen. <laughs> Anyhow, I'm hitting the road today from Blackbutt to Jericho into Emerald. Yeah. So you're in Blackall now or Blackbutt, did you say? Blackall. No, Blackall, Black sorry. Blackall. Yeah. yeah. And, and what's it like this morning? Cool this morning in Blackall? Beautiful morning. The sun's just coming up through the trees. Not a cloud in the sky for the last two days. Temperature's probably about five in the morning to about 24. I'll tell you a little story. The artesian bore in Blackhall, do yep. you know it? Yep. Yesterday, there would have been over 100 people in it about midday yesterday. <laughs> it's like the Roman baths, mate, like the Roman baths. It's like the Roman baths. G'day, this is Macca. Yeah, good morning, Macca. This is late enough in Tokyo. 
Hi, Leighton. How are you going? Uh, well, I'm okay, but it's been a bit of a sad day up here. Mm. Uh, sad weekend, actually. Uh, yesterday, we've had some uh, very heavy rains in parts of Japan uh, and one, one area not far from Tokyo, about 80 or 90 kilometres away, um, uh, had a huge mudslide. I don't know whether you happened to see it on the news last night down there, but um, uh, it just washed away houses left, right and centre. Uh, two people have been confirmed as, as being uh, deceased and there are 20 others missing as well. Oh, dear, um, oh dear. Uh, it's, it's quite ironical, actually, that uh, a year to, year to day down in a, a prefecture called Kumamoto, which is down in lower Japan, uh, a, a similar flooding occurred and uh, 67 people lost their lives as well. And it, it's almost a yearly event where these heavy rains that come through from a front that hangs around for many, many days just does so much uh, damage to the, uh, the people of Japan. And you've got the Olympics coming up very shortly, haven't you? We certainly have, and uh, it's not being well liked by people up here, um, but no. they are going ahead. Um, with COVID at the moment, uh, that is back on the rise again, and this will be the fifth wave that uh, is going through Japan. Uh, yesterday, for example, there were 1,860-odd cases, and out of that, uh, Tokyo itself had 716. Wow. So, you know, it, it's it's just, uh, oh, no. I, I, I can't understand it. Uh, the government uh, said, oh, they're going to have a meeting next week to discuss having another uh, state of emergency. Now, all a state of emergency does is just shut things down a little bit earlier, but, you know, shops are still remaining open. Restaurants, bars, cafes can still remain open. They can't have a lockdown because it's built into the Constitution that a lockdown can't occur in Japan. Well, there you go. Leighton, um, yeah, keep in touch with us. It's always nice to hear from uh, Tokyo. But, um, yeah, I know there's some people unhappy about it, but Tokyo people, Tokyoites are unhappy. And I read one of the Olympian, former Olympians said she wouldn't go if she was ele selected. But there you go. Leighton, I've got to fly, but nice to talk yeah. to you. Thank you very much indeed, mate. Good on you, mate. Bye. Yeah, g'day. It's uh, Steve here from Gladstone. I'm uh, on a, a yacht named Gina and I'm on my way up to the Sundays for the winter. <laughs> Steve, what a lovely thing to do. We've had a, another yacht this morning. I don't know if you heard Magnus, who was up in Cooktown. They're, they're just, I did hear that. <laughs> yes, I did. I, not, nothing so um, so uh, exciting as that, I'm afraid. I'm just doing coastal cruising from Brisbane to the Sundays and back. Uh, I do it every now and again. Are you on your own or... I am at the moment. My wife's actually got a significant amount of leave and we've just spent a month uh, travelling around Harvey Bay area and uh, I'm on my own at the moment, but she's going to join me uh, probably in Keppel Bay in another couple of weeks. So what will you reckon? You, what you, how do you spend life on board, uh, Stevie? Do you just read books or what do you do? Uh, my wife's an avid reader. She does a lot of reading. But there's a surprising amount of, of work aboard Shipsmacker. Uh, you know, there's, um, there is a little bit of cleaning. There's, there's a lot of um, 
uh, moving backwards and forwards, checking the weather, shifting anchorages, planning and, and so forth is, is quite a bit. But it, it's very enjoyable just being in nature and just being in the wilderness. That's where I like to be. Yeah, and away from the mainland, really. I mean, the mainland's got its problems all over the place, as I've been talking about, even though, you know, there's not border lockdowns. There's border lockdowns for me. I can't sort of travel anywhere over any borders because, um, yeah, I live in Sydney most of the time. So, you know. Yeah, so my, my wife's just come out of lockdown in, in Brisbane to, today, last night at six o'clock. So, yeah, it's it's very inconvenient. Um, I, I sometimes wonder whether, um, like, governments have to get involved. It's a public health issue but sometimes they, they solve some problems and create some others you know yeah anyway, well you, we yeah well um Leighton just rang from Tokyo a little while ago and he said there was for instance there was 1868 cases yesterday in Tokyo just uh in in Japan and about 750 in in Tokyo alone so I mean it makes mm. it makes us look poor in comparison but that's you know that's very good but you know that's just a comparison I suppose it is. And look, I think our governments are doing, the, they're really doing their best. They're putting the best foot forward and I take my hat off to them. I'm a particular fan of Gladys Berejiklian, although I'm a Queenslander, but she's just got an incredibly good balance and she's had more on a plate than everybody else, I think. Anyway, enough of the politics. I'm trying to get away from that. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, uh, look, I wouldn't, it's, it's not just because of this COVID, just it's an interesting difficult time to live in in the world i mean because of technology and everything you know just have a look at the the sewer that the web is and all those sort of things and look it's just i'd, I'd hate to be in policy very hard i just look at what the prime minister's had on his plate since he became prime minister and that was those terrible floods in queensland and there was a drought and then there was then there's been COVID. i mean you never have time to scratch yourself really um you know, yeah, I, I think they've got. I wouldn't like to be in politics at the moment. I wouldn't like to be having that responsibility. But as I say, we, we, from a public health point of view, I think there's few in the world better than us. I think New Zealand, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, you enjoy your cruising, Stevie, and uh, nice to talk to you, mate. Yeah. No worries. Always nice to talk to you, Maka. Good on you, mate. Bye. Right, bye. Okay, Maka. It's Annie Boyd here. Hi, Annie Boyd. What are you doing? I'm out celebrating NADOC week. I'm running a 10k round the uh, round the harbour, down the Jetties, Piermont, Darling Harbour, and out to Barangaroo. So running on Gadigal Country, Mecca. Yep. Yep. And you're off to uh, you're off to, um, ladies and gentlemen. Annie Boyd's a runner, but she's also a composer, and she's got a symphony. Uh, a symphony is that what it's called? A symphony that she's. I was just reading about Olive Pink the other day, actually, um, because I was going, right. I was going through my old mail and um, and I found this little flyer about Olive. Uh, somebody had sent it when they'd been travelling to Alice Springs. So, so that's on in September when your your um, suite or opera, really, isn't it? It's an opera, yes, yeah, not one. Yeah. And uh, yep. for Olive, and that's on in, in in the Alice in September. It is, yep. COVID permitting, and I. I think we'll be all right. It's good we've got the current outbreak now. Yeah, well, over and done with. yeah, well, hopefully right. it gets over and done with, Annie, and um, and yeah. thing, things will settle down. But um, it still seems a bit uh, chaotic. But I mean, nothing compared. You know, we we complain and grizzle people do. But if you look around the world, you know, as I said, I just saw something on the news last night about England, and they were supposed to be 
you know, relaxing everything and all of a sudden they've got more cases, so I don't think they're going to relax now. So when you look around the world, we've got things pretty good, haven't we? We certainly have. And although I'm a bit disappointed not to be up on the Gold Coast this weekend doing the, the Gold Coast Running Festival, Marathon's Festival up there, this what? is not a bad place to be. Oh, wasn't it cancelled or something, the Gold Yeah. Was... Yep. Yeah, you were going to go there, were you? Yep, yep, I was booked in, yep. There you go. All right. So um, and you're, you're running, you're still training for, you, I suppose most of your focus is on your opera, is it? A lot this year has been on the opera, yes. Um, but a lot of the work's done, but there's always more work to be done with the opera's now in rehearsal. And it's good to you know, change a few parts here and there. Mm-hmm. And every time you do that, Everything has to be changed. So, yeah, there's still quite a lot of work, but it's good work. Well, I, Wonderful cast. Yes, well, I'm, I'm hoping to get there. I hope uh, things are fine by then. You'd think they would be, but you never know with this, do you? You don't know, but I'm pretty confident. It's a, it's a destiny project and a matter of faith. It's going to happen. <laughs> it's going to happen. And it's going to be great, very unique. And this run is partly to honour Olive Pink's views on social justice and works towards social justice for Aboriginal people, for local people. So um, it's good to be out here running on Gadigal country thinking of her and of NADOC Week, a heel country, and runners all over the place now doing their NADOC runs, walks, whatever they, however they want to do it. It's a great project, the, um, the Indigenous Marathon project. Yeah, well, um, as I said, I ha- I'm hoping to get there for that um, in September. I've got an invite, so I- I'd love to come there. So I think there'll be a lot of people there too. Oh, that'll be a thrill. Well, we've sold nearly 400 tickets already, which is not bad for online sales this far out. So, yeah, we're confident. Yeah. Yep, yep that'll be thrilled to have there, Mecca. Yeah, well, really. I haven't been to Alice for ages. Um, all right, yeah. Annie, you... Uh, you sound like you're busting your boiler there. You're just taking it easy. Oh, I've got to be out and fit during all this COVID nonsense. Too many marathons cancelled, Macca. Yeah, I know. I know. Everything's been cancelled. That's yeah. a cancel year. You know, everybody said uh, <laughs> 21 would be a lot better than 20, but I don't think in, t- in some ways. I mean, we're whinging, I suppose, because, as I said, but when you compare it with what's happening around the world, and there's lots of people out there in country towns in Australia, they're booming at the moment. So things yeah, are pretty good, good for some. Yeah, and I'm nearly fully vaccinated, so I'm pleased about that too. Good on so you, Annie. Everyone all right. get out there. You've been, you been vaccinated? No, I haven't. Not yet. No, I'm waiting for the Pfizer. Okay, matey. Will you you uh, hang in there? Good, good to talk to you. Good on you, Thanks. Annie. And looking forward to seeing you in September, Maka. Okay. Good on you. Thank you, mate. Bye. Cheers. G'day, this is Maka. It's Lindsay here from the Pilbara. Hi, Lindsay. Yeah, good. I enjoy your show, Macca. You feel the, um, I guess, the gap influence when we're stuck up here. We get a bit homesick, us, the Aboriginal people and, and the non-Indigenous people. And I'd just like you say hello to all the Aboriginal um, people in person around the state. That's uh, because it's NADOT week. That's right. It starts Perth. today for a, for a week till next Sunday. Whereabouts are you, Lindsay? Um, I'm in between Newman and Mekathara. Uh-huh. Wow. In a mine, so... 
and I do the Aboriginal mentoring up here and drive a truck. So, um, yeah, and I go out to the communities and talk to the kids and try and get them in here. It's a bit daunting first up, but it is what it is. And, uh, yeah, this place is pretty good. You know, we're taking them in and we're treating them being part of what I grew up in, Sister Kate, with uh, the mob, which was an orphanage over here. Uh-huh. Um, and maybe, how, how did you find that experience, Lindsay? Yeah, we had our good and bad days there, gee. It was, I mean, now that I've got older, I've gone back in time, Macca. Mm. I've just gone back and I think, how did I survive? And, I mean, you've seen the poly farmers come out of there. He was in the same orphanage where we stayed, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, so, yeah, it's a journey that's always, that you'll take to your grave and, like my mother, she was in the same boat. And and what do you um, when you when you say you you mentor them? What sort of things is that? Just a um, that can mean lots of things, I suppose. Mentoring can't it? But I, I, I suppose it's just is it basic things that you start off with and um, um, and opportunities and uh, experiences for young kids that you think they probably haven't had so far. Yeah, um, yeah. Just try and teach them slowly. Um, to get into the workforce, to to come to terms that there's jobs out there for them. And, I mean, I can't um, text or read and write too good, but I can operate things. And, I mean, there's other kids out there like that that can just do the same thing, you know? Yeah. Um, and I just, I'm there for them. You know, they get homesick or um, it could be a funeral there could be anything that goes on. So you just help them over the line the best you can, you know? Lindsay, uh, keep up the good work, mate. Um, you enjoy – you're from Perth originally, are you? Yeah, yeah. I'm one of the Noongar people from the South West. And, mm. uh, yes, mate. Naga and all your listeners, thanks for walking beside us. Thank you. Good on you, Linz. Nice to talk to you. See you, brother. Yeah, good on, Mac. As it's still here, um, I'm, I'm in the Taiwan Straits. Well, you better tell us all about it, Phil. The Taiwan Straits. It's a nice uh, sunrise here this morning in Calm Seas for a change, and um, we're building an offshore wind farm there. Ah, okay. So you're on a you're on a ship. What's is that right? I'm on a ship. That's correct. We've um, we've just left port. We're um, heading back out. Um, it's a, it's a couple of year project. We're um, we're building eighty uh, wind turbines. At the moment, we've done the foundations for about a dozen. So it's a long long job. So but these slowly getting in. So let me get this straight: the wind farm is in the Taiwan Straits. Is that right? That's correct. It's about eight kilometres offshore, about halfway up on the um, the west coast of Taiwan. And when you say you're putting in the foundations, the water's reasonably shallow there, or? Uh, yeah, it ranges from about 10 to 20 metres, and we're putting in piles. Um, the piles, some of the piles are 80 metres long and weigh at 1,800 tonnes, so they're <laughs> not um, they're not toys. What What's your job, Phil? Um, at the moment, I'm on the, one of the support boats. We're doing a, um, a bubble curtain for the got to keep the whales and dolphins happy, mate. So when we're um, piling these piles, we put a, um, a set of hoses around the piles and then blow um, bubbles 
So when the piling uh, noise spreads out, the bubbles uh, defer that and keep the dolphin happy. <laughs> wow! So you're looking at you're looking after the the um, fauna. Looking after the fauna. That's correct. But um, oh, that... every job's different. Macca, we're uh, we're a construction company. You know, last year we've been we're doing moorings in Brazil. Uh, the year before that, we were doing trenches in um, Turkey, all different stuff, mate. But uh, we're stuck in Taiwan right now, which uh, is why I, I rang you when you were talking about, um, you know, COVID uh, lockdowns. Mm. We're, um, I can't get off the boat, maker. Uh, um, no, no one's allowed off. There's probably around 400 guys involved with all the different boats, barges, uh, cable layers, um, this is uh, and no one's allowed off. This so is yeah, it's no, sa- no, it sounds like a huge project, Phil. It is a huge project. It's a three billion euros. Wow. Now, look, getting back to the bubbles and the whales. What you're saying is that you blow bubbles into the water, and that that mitigated stops some of the noise from when you're laying your pylons. Is that right? That's correct. Yes, you've so, got to try and keep it under 160 decibels. So how does um, well see some physicists obviously have been on that and said well look if you've got big big air bubbles in there it'll break up the sound waves is that the story isn't that amazing that's the story it's, it's obviously new technology they they figured this out over the last ten years or so but um, yeah it, it does make a, it does make sense um, but any dolphin with any sense would long leave the area. <laughs> <laughs> Now, listen, Phil, tell me this. The name of the boat, and you're on the boat now. Whereabouts are you? Um, I'm on the Levesque, and we just left Anping Port, which is um, oh, three-quarters of the way down to Taiwan coast on the, on the uh, west coast. Yeah, and you're, what's your job? Did I ask you that what your job was? Oh, no, look, I'm, I'm the superintendent on this boat, but, um, yeah, I'm just another one of the players, mate. <laughs> well, Phil, we've never had a call from the Taiwan Straits before. In fact, um, I'd struggle to find it on the map. But you know, my geography's not. Wasn't we didn't do geography at school. <laughs> we didn't do. I didn't do much of that. Oh, we, we, we sit here, mate, and watch the uh, jets, the uh, fighter jets, fly over to China, or they go halfway across and then fly back every day. They say that uh, in six years China will take over Taiwan again. I guess they've got to get Hong Kong first. But, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a game of cat and fiddle here. Yeah. Quite interesting. But, no, it's a lovely country. The people are very friendly and very nice. Very scary. Phil, I've got to love you and leave you, but you keep in touch, mate, and lovely to talk to you. We've learned a lot this morning, but um, thanks to you. Good on you, Phil. All right. No worries, mate. Let's go and listen to you. Okay, mate. See you over and out. Is it Cole uh, and Michelle on Fraser Island? Is that right? Yep, g'day, Macca. G'day. What's happening, kids? Oh, I've been up here on holidays for a week, Macca. Um, the most, one of the most amazing places I've been to. Big, um, big, and, yep, big sand and, island. Uh, big sand island, yep. Um, the vegetation's amazing. The people are amazing up here. Um, we've been up here with the 17 of the best people that I think I've ever known in my life, so... It's a, it's a really wonderful experience. We've been up here camping and pretty much just sightseeing. Yeah, well, there you go. Now, I suppose, and Cole, it's great to get out. I suppose you feel free on a place like Fraser Island, don't you? Where do you, where do you come from, Cole, Michelle? 
Yeah, we're in the Hunter Valley, so um, I guess we, we left home just before the, um, the COVID, uh, or the latest COVID bout sort of broke out. Yeah. Um, and then we, we've kind of been isolated. It feels like we're, we're on an island at the moment with everything going on back on the mainland. So um, we, we just headed back down the beach now for the barge and then headed home. So um, we'll be making a mad dash home so we can um, avoid the hot spots particularly. Is there a bit of a bit of a, a wave around on the a bit beach? Of a wave, yeah. On the beach, yeah, I mean. yeah, yeah. Still, sure is. Uh, I was just commenting on the waves. Actually, they're fairly um, fairly big this morning. Some areas, but um, it's beautiful here. It's nice and sunny. Um, you, the water you, looks great. Have you bumped into any dingoes? <laughs> Quite a lot of dingoes. First couple of days, um, we didn't wow. lay eyes on one, but. Um, uh, few days after that um yeah quite a few dingoes around yeah yeah just kind of minding their own business they're quite happy to um coexist with the humans up here come up and say hello yeah they'll come they'll come and say good day yeah well i mean they've had some problems with dingoes on fraser island over the years haven't they especially of recent times the last five or ten yeah, years i can't yeah. remember what time but um yeah keep a healthy distance i'd say uh michelle cole yeah, we absolutely do. <laughs> yeah, I think the main thing is there, just sort of, you know, heed the warnings and, and just obviously don't let your little kids out of sight. That's the main thing. Respect their area. Yes. Um, yeah. A lot of people on Fraser Island? Well, the locals are saying that um, it's not the busiest season they've had. Uh, the fishing really hots up in a couple of weeks, apparently, according to the local businesses. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's, there's a few more coming on as, as the holidays progress. And you catch tailor up there, don't you? Or you can do? Yeah, yeah. So the reports are that the tailor come on in about two to three weeks. So I'm guessing there's a few people having a bit of a fish up here, but um, yeah, I haven't seen much being pulled in yet. Uh, well, half your luck. Um, lots of people would be like to be uh, where you are on Fraser Island. It's a lovely place. I was there, I don't know, 20 years ago, I think. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, it is a lovely place and um, and we love your show, Maka. We listen every Sunday. And whereabouts in, in the Hunter are you from? Uh, near Maitland. So Wood, Woodville, near Maitland. So uh-huh. We've got a little uh, little hobby farm there. Uh, a few horses and cows and things. So we're, we're pretty lucky. I'll say. Good on you, Cole and Michelle. Thanks for your call. Um, enjoy. Fraser. How long will you be there? You're leaving today, are you? Leaving today. We've been here a week. And you're going back home or what are you doing now? Heading back home now, Maggie, yeah. All right. Well, I'll see you sometime in... Wood- Sorry? Seeing the last, seeing, that was our two-way. All right. Leaving, seeing the last of the sand now before we hop on the barge. Good on you, Cole. Michelle? Thanks, Becca. Thanks, see you. Bye. This is the All Over News, and let's talk about Australia, the country. Not the word, which comes from the Latin australis, meaning southern, but the land. I suppose the question is, are we a country or does the word Australia merely describe a geographical island? For some, the last year and a half has highlighted the deep divisions within the country so that calling us Australia is handy when you're OS and somebody comes up to you and says, oh, where do you come from? But back home, it increasingly seems that we're a collection of states connected geographically rather than spiritually. A crisis such as a war or a pandemic would arguably draw us together as Australians. Doesn't seem to have happened here as border closures become de rigueur. 
I wasn't around during the Second World War, but apparently Aussies pulled together in common purpose, just like in a drought or a bushfire. With that in mind, you'll find most interesting this conversation I had with historian Bernard Barrett back in 1988. 1988, of course, was the bicentennial year. He took me back to 1888, the time of the centenary. Not the bicentenary, but the centenary in 1888. And amazingly, what almost happened there. Bernard Barrett. In 1888, there was no federal government. There was there'd be no federation yet. And the uh, six Australian colonies were like six separate countries. There was no country called Australia. There was a continent called Australia, but Australia was purely a geographical expression for that continent. And New South Wales was the oldest of the six colonies, and so Sir Henry Parks wanted to change the rather outdated name of New South Wales to Australia to show the importance of New South Wales. But then, of course, all hell broke loose. <laughs> Naturally enough, the uh, premiers of Victoria and Queensland and South Australia and so on objected because they didn't want to be upstaged by New South Wales. What do you mean they didn't want to be upstaged? Were they thinking that the whole place should be renamed Australia? Well, they thought that if New South Wales changed its name to Australia, which is the name of the continent, this would indicate that uh, New South Wales was the most important state. And, of course, they, they wouldn't uh, agree to that. I mean, Victoria was probably the most important state in 1888. It was certainly the most prosperous, and uh, Melbourne was Australia's biggest city at that time. And likewise, even uh, South Australia and Western Australia uh, didn't want to have a state somewhere else called Australia because it would damage their identity overseas. Certainly in 1888, uh, Melbourne was the financial capital of Australia and Melbourne looked like being uh, possibly the capital of any future Australian federation. What sort of a bloke was this Henry Parks? A bit of a mover and a shaker. Oh, he certainly was. He was uh, definitely a very capable man. Uh, he certainly made things move. He was a great uh, wheeler and dealer. He even had a compromise on this position. He even offered that if the other premiers didn't like his idea, he would compromise by changing the name of New South Wales to East Australia or Eastern Australia, like South Australia or Western Australia. But even this didn't satisfy the other premiers, and uh, they complained to London, and the British government then offered Sir Henry Parks a promotion to a, a higher order of knighthood if he withdrew his proposal to change the New South Wales name. Well, he agreed, <laughs> and he was promoted to his higher order of knighthood just a few days before the centenary celebrations began in Sydney. They're pretty ordinary when you think of the names of the states, aren't they? And they do relate back to colonial times. You've got Victoria and Queensland and New South Wales. Western Australia, South Australia, doesn't seem to be much uh, thought or initiative gone into the naming of the states, does there? No, uh, none of those names are, are very imaginative. New South Wales is definitely a mouthful. I mean, New South Wales is not really new. It's, in fact, the oldest state in Australia. It's not really south, at least not in Australia. It's not as far south as Tasmania. <laughs> and it's uh, much bigger than Wales. In fact, it's bigger than the whole of Britain. So... There was certainly a need felt then to uh, drop the name of New South Wales, but I think it's too late now. Likewise, Victoria is not a very distinctive name. 
it's rather ordinary. You'll find Victorias in all parts of the world. You'll find a place called Victoria in New Zealand, and there's one in Canada, or several in Canada. There's uh, one in Hong Kong and some in Africa. And there's places around Australia called Victoria. There's a, a Lake Victoria in New South Wales, and uh, Adelaide's got a Victoria Bridge and, and so on. So Victoria itself would do with a name change too. But of course, Queensland these days is a fairly uh, old-fashioned name for uh, a modern state. It could be argued that a better name for Queensland would be uh, something like Capricornia. Bernard Barrett. And if Henry Parks had had his way, New South Wales would be Australia or Eastern Australia. G'day, this is Macca. Hey, g'day, Macca. It's um, Paul the Butcher from Tambo calling to say g'day. Paul the Butcher, of course. How are you, mate? (laughs) Really good, really good. Yourself? Yeah, not bad, not bad. What's happening, mate? Mate, I got up early this morning and uh, looked after the, uh, you might have heard of them, the famous chicken racing uh, chickens from the Tambo Hotel, the Royal Karangawa. <laughs> no, I haven't really. Um, racing chickens. Yeah, it's a real thing, real chickens, and they... Uh, They've been trained like thoroughbreds to race around and chase a remote control car. Oh, wow. And do they catch it much? Yeah, they always catch it. There's always a winner. Um, It's actually my son's business, Ben Casey. Uh He's the publican. He's got the pub and I've got the butcher shop next door. And um, he's raised tens of thousands of dollars over the years for the Royal Flying Doctors and various charities. Um, I've not seen the butcher shop. I haven't noticed the butcher shop, but I know Tambo reasonably well. But um, I've always meant to come to your lovely hall there and, and do a gig there sometime. But it hasn't happened yet, Paul. But hopefully one day. Who knows? Well, Macca, I'll be uh, I'll be pleased to supply you with our famous uh, cabanas, mate. They go well with a few beers and a <laughs> bit of music. What are cabanas? They're sausages, are they, or something? Or... Oh, you bloody southerners! Yeah, cabanas. Um... Uh, Cabanossi, like a mild army sort of thing, you know. Uh, all right, I see. Yeah, and you just yeah. Well, sounds lovely. Cabanas, cabanas. Where's the and name? Could... Where's the name come from? Is that a proper Italian name, or it's a Queensland name? Well, I think we're a bit lazy sometimes. So Cabanossi, I think, is the original Italian. Uh, yeah, that's name. too long. Yes, of course. Right. Yeah, yeah. very bright. That's a good move. Cabanas, yeah, cabanas. It's like bananas, really, isn't it? I mean. It's just. Hey, Maka, can I can I fill you in? We got a we got a bit of a um, crazy amount of uh, vintage teenagers, um, grey nomads, of course. Um, <laughs> vintage teenagers visiting, visiting our bloody outback, and yeah. um, Tambo is incredibly lucky to have so many of them coming here. Yeah. And um, but look, it is causing a a few problems too. And if you don't mind me. Uh, giving a little bit of advice to the vintage teenagers that are traveling. Yeah, go. Look, number one, getting an enormous amount of uh, requests from the local truck drivers. When I say local truck drivers, I mean, obviously the ones that pass through going all over Australia. Mm. And occasionally when, especially when there's been rain and we've been lucky enough to have rain, which is fantastic for the bloody, um, the farms. But um, of course that, puts pressure on the caravan parks, which are generally just about booked out up here. And, and of course, you can't go into the black soil no. um, flats to camp. So they, they do occasionally, um, when they have to, go into the truck driver's 
um, parking bays, which really is a terrible thing to do because, of course, the truck drivers have got nowhere to stop and they can't have a hot shower and bloody do whatever in the middle of the night, you know, and we've, we've actually uh, had our local truck stops clogged up a couple of times later. So if everybody can just really, you know, the caravan has got to find somewhere as well. And exactly. I mean, yeah, that's the whole problem when you get, you know, a lot of people and, and you've heard, I don't know if you've been listening all morning, you probably have, you probably get up at half past five, uh, Paul, but um, <laughs> you get caught, we've had calls from all over the place, especially from Queensland where there's seem to be, everybody's headed to Queensland. That's the centre of the universe really now in this COVID time and people in towns, uh, and Tambo's only a small town, but um, I suspect this is happening all over. Paul, lots of people, and what do you do? Lots of people and truck drivers trying to go about their business. Um, and if there's nowhere to park and you can't go on the solar planes because it's wet, because there was a few people bogged. Where was that, Kel? Was that Longreach or Blackall? They were bogged or somewhere. I don't know where it was, but, yeah, it's happening all over, I think, Paul. Yeah, look, Macker, I think um, it's true. There's um, what do you do, but I, I tell you what, we're only a little town, Tambo, and we're part of the Blackall Regional Council, mm. um, Blackall Tambo, and we've got a great council that's um, working hard and working fast to come up with solutions. So um, if we get some more rain later in the week, which, of course, we hope we do, makes the grass grow, mm. <laughs> uh, we hope to have a few uh, solutions in place to be able to guarantee that people can um, park up safely, you know, so yeah. we'll, we'll keep you posted. Yeah, well, it's a good it's a good call out because and then people, you know, if they don't know, you know, they don't because a lot of people, are city slickers like me, southerner, um, <laughs> who doesn't know what a cabana is, but um, I think yeah, forewarned is forearmed, and um, I think it's probably a good call out because uh, they're all good people and, and everybody needs each other. But um, yeah, um, the only problem is, I suppose, there's uh, that bloke. The bloke he was in the. Uh, the van industry, this bloke who rang us uh, this morning, and he said he's he said he's stressed. He said he can't believe the number of people. Thank you, Tanya. Um, he can't believe the number of caravans all over the place. So it's quite quite amazing. But it's just one of the things we see in this different time, Paul. Um, yeah. All right. Well, hey, um, Mac, I, yep. You mind if I just add? I just I just want to be really clear. We've got lots and lots of room for lots and lots of more caravans in Tambo and we're working um, as we speak to make sure that we can um, park up everybody, you know, truckies, caravaners, RV people. I mean, I'll send you a photo I took this morning, Macca. Mm. Um, Blake parked on the side of the road in the main street, main highway in Tambo, um, nice big four-wheel drive, and he rolled his swag out under the four-wheel drive to get the heat of the road and the heat of the car. <laughs> And he slept under there. And when I was coming into work this morning, I took a photograph of this bloke and thought, that's just fair income uh, ingenuity. <laughs> so, yeah, we've got plenty of room out here. And, Mac, I'd love to talk to you one day about um, there's a scientist in America called, or Canada, I think, and he's reverse engineering mm. uh, chickens to be, because uh, chickens are a direct des- descendant of the dinosaurs. So he's reverse engineering to get, Chickens that are more like dinosaurs, and uh, we're talking to him. This is a true story, Macca. I know, I can tell, I can tell. <laughs> and we're, we're talking to him about uh, uh, getting some hybrids to uh, add to our uh, thoroughbred racing chickens at the Royal Karangawa Hotel. But how would you how would you farm reverse chickens? I mean, they'd be huge. It'd be chaos, carnage, if that's what you mean. Um, 
No, no, no. They're, they're, they're the same stature and size oh, as are um, they? Oh, I see. chicken, but, but they have no skin and they have scales and they instead of a beak, they've got like a, a mouthful of teeth. So they're like a, a, a little mini T-Rex. Yeah, let them loose in the in the uh, yeah the absolute carnage across the across the landscape, Paul. I can see it now. No, no, no. Actually, one of the Wags suggested we catch all the uh, bin chickens, ibises, and paint paint them pink, and we'll call them flamingos. And uh... <laughs> Paul, I'll see you in Tambo sometime. And thanks for your call, mate. G'day, Maka. This is Tani here. Hi, Tani. How are you? Yeah, good. Where's Tani for everybody else? I'm from Milner up in Darwin. Milner. Uh-huh. Right, there you uh, go. Yes. Yep. And I'm giving you a call because my dad has listened to your radio show every Sunday ever since I can remember. And my dad is currently and has been for the last year working over in Fijira, which is in Dubai. Oh, right. And so when he wakes up later today, he'll listen to your Sunday show and I thought I'd call up and say g'day to you and give Dad a bit of a surprise. Well, that'll be a surprise. Now, where, where is he in Dubai? What's the name of the place? It's called Fijera. It's about an hour and a half out of Dubai. Uh-huh. So he's been working there for the past year and hasn't been able to come back to Australia. No. So, and, and you haven't been able to get to Dubai either? No, not at all. So we're hoping that he can come back hopefully early next year and we'll be able to see him. So, yeah. Tani, what do you do in Milner? What finds you in Darwin? Oh, I'm a secondary school teacher, so mm. I'm just working in Darwin. I grew up here and, yeah. What's that like? Good? How's things in How's Darwin coping? Oh, it's, we just got out of lockdown, actually, so it's been, it's been pretty good. We've been very, very lucky, but we just got out of lockdown on yesterday, so we've been out, got masks on and things like that. But, yeah, we've been very lucky in Darwin. Yeah, because I, I spoke to a, spoke, a bloke about a year ago, probably more than a year ago. Maybe it was 2020 um, or 2019, end of, and he, he said things were a bit, well, not, he said strange in Darwin. He said there were some empty buildings and, I don't know, he was talking about. Yeah. Um, well, there's been many, many tourists in Darwin this year, which has been really great. So, been lots of people pumping through the town that's for sure um that's well that's good for it i suppose and um how's uh teaching gig going yeah teaching i'm a grad teacher so first year but it's going really well and i'm really enjoying it so all right so what's your dad's name in dubai david dave in dubai all right i hope he I hope he listens um he listen what does he, he listen sure will. does he listen on podcasts or he just listens online to the program a I bit think- later I think he goes back through on the ABC app and oh. then he can um, listen to today's radio. All right. Well, later on. Good on you, Tani. Nice to talk to you. I'll see you in Darwin sometime, I hope. There's another place yeah, I've got to get I back hope to. So too. Yeah, we'll come All right. Do- see you, Maka. See you, Tani. Bye. Bye. See ya. Uh, g'day, this is Maka. Morning, Maka. This is Bob Pearman. G'day, Bob. I'm uh, in uh, Ruin Castle, uh, 120 k's north of Taroom, central Queensland. What's Ruin Castle? Uh, a property, is it? It's a property. It's a cattle station. Yeah. Uh, we've got uh, Brahman cattle and uh, Brahman cross. 
Mm. And on the uh, on the caretaker, the roustabout, jack of all trades <laughs> here at uh, <laughs> at Ruin Castle. And uh, a lovely day up here today. Uh, cloudless sky, blue sky. The birds are all out. Uh, it's a wonderful place to be. Miles and miles and miles away from COVID. Yeah, I'll say, how long have you been caretaker there, Bob? Uh, on and off, I've been uh, around about eight months now. Mm-hmm. Six months last year, and, and I'm heading up for uh, two or three months this year. Yeah. Good gig? Oh, it's great. It is just great. Where are you, you know, from? I'm, I'm from Toowoomba. Uh huh. And uh, it's just me and the red dog, Red Kelpie. <laughs> And I've got to a stage now where she barks. I know what she's barking, what she's talking about, and uh, she knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Not like Henry Lawson's dog who he said, um, my dog's bright. He could could talk, but he... uh, but he wouldn't if he could, um, sort of thing. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Henry Lawson. I'll yeah. tell you what. Yeah, no, this is great country up here, and uh, we've had uh, forty-five mil of rain on uh, uh, Friday, Saturday, and uh, we're on the development road between uh, Taroom and uh, Bohemia Downs, mm, Bohemia. and the yeah. yeah, the road itself now. Will not be nobody will drive on it until probably Tuesday or Wednesday. Well, let's so hope. Let's in. let's hope no <laughs> nobody drives it. You see, if you see a few tourists around the place. No, no tourists up here. Mm. I've, I've I've had a few people ring me and say, "Hey, Bob, do you want a visitor?" And I say, "Yeah, come on up. You know, mm. make sure you bring some meat and some grog." <laughs> <laughs> All right, Bobby. Good on you, mate. Ruin Castle, eh? Yeah, Ruin Castle. It's oh. on the map. Yep. Nice to talk to you, Bob. Yeah, nice talking to you too, Mac. Cheers, mate. Good on you, mate. Bye. Bye now. Hurry. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.